Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Whether this is your first time on our live stream yeah. or you're like, I don't know how many Sundays, <laughs> a million. One million, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're so glad that you're here with us at Evangel Church this morning. Well, because we're going live, we do have our preamble mm -hmm. and it's fall. I don't care if it's still August, it's fall. Because there was a very important transition that happened last week. Yes. Um, and I always say that there's a certain like corporate coffee shop that dictates the change of seasons, not the date. It's true. Because I think they just have like the monopoly on it. Yeah. What was it? Oh, of course. It's a pumpkin spice latte. Obviously. Yeah, I know. So exciting. Um, I'm such a self-proclaimed coffee snob, which um, right. if anybody knows me for like more than yeah. five seconds would know that. And yet I am a sucker. Like I always Love get it. at least one a year. Love it. I like break my like coffee snobbery for that like for that one, latte? one latte. Yeah. Okay, so if you think it's too sweet, you can do what I do, and that's get an extra shot of espresso and half sweet it, and it just gives it a little more coffee, sure. and it's so good, you guys. It's so good. I had it a couple days ago, and it was better than last year. Oh, I think they always, like, they do typically improve. I'm always, I'm always shocked, um, but... If we're saying this now and it's causing this like deep need in your heart, don't leave quite yet. Yes. We have a whole service ahead of you. This can be like your after stream, like treat to yourself. Like, yay, I went to church. Yeah. I'm, I'm warning myself with a drink. Spice latte. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we have some would you rather questions centered around fall, because it's fall, um, that we're gonna invite you to join us on. So make yeah. sure that you're typing your answer into the chat box mm -hmm. as well. Okay, would you rather? Have a food fight with Halloween candy or Thanksgiving dinner? Ooh, okay. There was this movie that I watched as a kid, and it's called Max Keebler's Big Move. Okay. And they have this, like, epic cafeteria food fight. And I remember as a kid being like, oh, my gosh, like, imagine <laughs> doing that. And so I think that I would have to do Thanksgiving dinner. Because if I'm throwing a bunch of, like, hard chocolate candies at somebody, like, not going to be as satisfying as, like, throwing a massive thing of mashed potatoes in their face. Okay. Like just imagine. That. I can understand that. I just think as a mom, um, I'm gonna be the one cleaning that thing up. So, <laughs> so you just want to be like pelted with all the candy, <laughs> say? Give me the candy. Nice. I can vacuum it easily. <laughs> Smack in the face like in a Henry bar. Yeah, like, that was okay. my first thought was cleaning. Sweet. Um, Halloween candy for me. Okay. Would you rather live in a house made from hay bales or corn stalks? Um like, do either make a house? Like, I feel like you could have like a like a hay bale. Oh, a hay bale. Yeah. Oh, I think I would like that. I feel like corn stalks would be like not as. You could weave them. That's presumably on a <laughs> lot of skills that I don't have. So I'm just gonna make like a square little like fort out of my hay bales. But you can you can weave. You you it's go. It's true. For it. Well, I just feel like there are a lot of mice that live in hay bales, and I don't want to share my but, like, house with. What things. secret animals live in like cornfields? I don't you know? know. We're gonna pretend I mean, that it's like a it's magical. snack. Yeah. Using like crack the corn, eat it. Well, cook it or oh well, yeah. I mean, make it into popcorn. There you go. Perfect. Ethan's joining me, I'm sure, in my house because <laughs> Ethan loves popcorn. Okay, that's my son. For those of you that are new joining us, um, would you rather have turkey legs for ears or candy corn for fingernails? Um, I would have rather candy corn for fingernails. Me too. Because he wants to have those, like, I already have big ears, so I feel like if 
then I were to, they were to be the size of a turkey leg, they'd be bigger than they already are, and I don't need that. And in my head, it's like those Disney turkey legs that yeah, are, they're like, like dinosaurs. Yeah. And, like, imagine wearing a mask with, with turkey leg ears. Like, impossible. I can't even fit them on my big ears now, so it just wouldn't happen. Okay, would you rather wake up a bear that has begun to hibernate or be locked in a room of squirrels? That's a actually a very hard question. Squ squirrels are kind of, like like skittish they seem kind right. of like more they un... seem a little scary yeah they seem unpredictable like is a bear that's hibernating kind of dopey like do i have to wake it up or can i just like poke it and run wake up um i mean i probably would die either way so why don't i just make up wake up the bear and make it quick you know it's true if you are well you're all on your computer so but after this there's a National Geographic picture of these guys yes. who went in to change out the tracking collar on a bear and ended up waking it up. Amazing it's a great photo. Picture. Like frightening, but great. Would you rather stuff a scarecrow or help a squirrel gather acorns? Stuff a scarecrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I don't want to have to dig for acorns. I don't want to have to help a squirrel. <laughs> These poor squirrels. That's what we're on the squirrels today. Okay, last one. Would you rather balance a pie on your head during dinner or eat wearing a football helmet? I mean, I would probably balance a pie on my head. Not that it would be like super successful, but then the pie falls and you're good. But if you have to like eat with a football helmet, like you got, you got to navigate. But most football helmets just have the visor. Like what if you like to have like the mouth cage? Like the face I don't cage, know don't that they? football. Okay, <laughs> Clearly, we need to brush up on our, um, on our sports equipment. I think um, hockey masks are full face. Right. I don't know that football is. Sure. I'm going with the helmet. Okay. As long as I'm it's half on face. Hopefully, I can like dump it forward so I can catch it. <laughs> you know? What kind of pie would it be then? Oh, in my mind, it was just pumpkin. Oh, because it's fall. Yeah, I don't know. But apple caramels. Yeah, or like, or like pecan pie. Okay, I mean, so if you were really going to balance the pie on your head, you need to tell us in the comments what, what kind, kind of pie. It's a very important part of the question. It is. It's the crucial piece. Truly. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to join us in person, because we are just as much fun live. I, I would like to think so. Um, maybe we're not, but <laughs> <laughs> we would love for you to be with us. And we have a whole bunch of dates in September and October. Mm -hmm. And you can get there at myevangel.church forward slash relaunch yep. and we have a really exciting announcement for you parents and that is that evangel kids is back yeah so, so if you want to come and enjoy that sermon um and that church without the chaos that maybe is happening in your home right now mm -hmm. then you need to be one of the first six families to sign up for that per slot because we can yep. only take six families worth of kids because of space constraints mm -hmm. so make sure you go right now to myvagil.church forward slash relaunch. Also, sorry. Are you going to say preteens? No, I wasn't, oh, but okay. go well, for guys, it. Okay, uh, preteens, we haven't forgotten about you either. Um, and so we're going to be having preteen parties coming up um, each month as well. So they're going to be on Wednesday yes. evenings. Uh, there's going to be one a month. So if you have a preteen uh, ages... Going grades, into grades five to seven. Five to seven, yeah. We switched it, so I wasn't, we did. wasn't quite getting there. Grades five to seven, uh, you're welcome to come. And feel free to bring a friend. Uh, you just need to register them as well, mm -hmm. but we would love to see you guys there too. Uh, because preteens, we want to hang out with you. We had a great time at our 
uh, preteen party in the summer. And so we had so much fun that we figured we'd just continue. Yeah, we'll make it a regular thing the yeah. last Wednesday of every month. Yep. So the last announcement is that we do have drive through generosity mm -hmm. happening um, because we are live. If you maybe want to hold off <laughs> until like 1040-ish, yeah. um, that would be great. Otherwise, we'll quickly scooch out and we'll meet <laughs> you outside. But the debit machine will be off limits until this live stream is over. But thank you so much for your continued generosity. And honestly, every penny helps. It's true. So you can really give true. online at myevangel.church or come on by and say hi. Yeah, and we're open during the week as well. So you can come through Monday to Thursday, uh, 9 to 5. Yeah, well, enjoy this video while we swap out for Pastor Lucas. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, so glad you could join us. Sorry, we have a little technical difficulties, but uh, thus is life in the 21st century, right? Um, well, welcome. So glad you're here. We are going to do a little bit of a piggyback ride today. Uh, if you were on the stream last week, uh, Pastor Marcus spoke about um, tension. And we're going to dig and drill a little bit deeper into the tension that is living life in this world. And he said something interesting. He said, at the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. At the, at the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. And, and when he spoke on that and, and he asked the question, what are you putting into the tension point in your life? Because we can put a whole lot of different things. We can, we can self-medicate in the tension points of our lives with with substances or things or distractions or busyness. Um, we can put people into those tension points and look at people to be what they really can't be to manage all of that tension in life. Um, or friends, we can put faith. We can put faith in God and Christ Jesus in the promises of God. And so what are you putting in the middle of the tension today? And that was the question I was asked. And I remember sitting I was actually sitting just a few feet away from Pastor Marcus as he was preaching, uh, kind of managing things behind the scenes. And I, I just thought to myself, man, he's preaching to me right now. He's preaching to me. And so today, I want to ask a question and perhaps call out the elephant in the room. What do we do when we begin to feel as though living in that tension between the promise and the fulfillment is turning out to be a perpetual reality? What do we do when we see kind of no end in sight when it comes to the tension points of our lives, whatever they may be? And so let's let's open in prayer and we're going to dig into that. So, Lord, we just pray that today as we kind of drill into some of the realities of living, Lord, things that we don't often talk about, uh, things that we kind of maybe numb with our busyness or with our stuff. But Lord, anytime we're quiet, anytime that we have time to reflect, Lord, these moments and these things in our lives, they come to the surface. 
And Lord, you've given us a way in which to, a perspective in which to walk this out in a way that tension doesn't drown us, but rather tension matures us and grows us into all that you've called us to be. And so God, would you help us on that journey today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, John Bunyan was, uh, he's probably most famously known as the author of The Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, if you haven't read The Pilgrim's Progress, you just, you need to. Get a copy, read that. Uh, it's kind of a special story to me. My dad, uh, when we were kids, every night, he kind of took us through like chapter by chapter. And we read the entirety of it probably two times when we were kids. And it's just a great kind of metaphorical depiction of the Christian's journey. And, um, but John Bunyan he had this moment where he was a nonconformist, which meant uh, the Church of England, the Anglican Church, the Church of England, was sort of the state church. That was the official church in England. And he was a nonconformist, which meant that he was kind of splintered away from the Church of England. And there's a moment where the monarchy changed and they were kind of really tying down on the, on the state-run church. And so he got put in prison. And during this time in prison, uh, William Barclay kind of writes about his time there, and he, and he says this. It'll be up on the screen. When John Bunyan was in prison, he was thinking of what would happen to his family if he was executed. In particular, the thought of his little blind daughter, who was so dear to him, haunted him. Oh, he said, I saw in this condition I was a man who was pulling down his house upon the head of his wife and children. Yet, thought I. I must do it. I must do it. And my question is this. What drove John Bunyan to make this statement? To, to recognize the cost all around him, to see it, to see the real life cost of his decisions when it came to his faith. Well, what caused him to double down on his faith in this moment? What caused him to make this statement in the midst of this tension? And today, I hope in a small way to address this from Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, we are in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be going from 17 to 40. We'll be backing up a little bit, but that's kind of where we're going to camp out today. And so I'm just encouraging you to have that open in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to uh, just resource you with a Bible. So if you if visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible, uh, you'll be able to get a Bible of your own. Right now, you could go there. You could pause this video, go there, get a digital Bible. Or you can go there, fill out a form, and we'd love to give a physical Bible to you. And so if you're in the Powell River region, that would be our gift to you. And we have a number of ways that we can get that to you. Um, so we just would encourage you, visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible. One of our favorite things is to uh, take the scriptures and, and, and give it out to people who are exploring faith in Jesus, because that's what we're all about. So let me just make um, some comments here before we kind of jump in. I, I do want to back up to give a little bit of context. If you hadn't listened to Pastor Marcus' sermon last week, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that as well, because it gives a little bit of context to what we're going to be talking about today. It's Like I said, it's, we're piggybacking this kind of moment in, in chapter 11. So let's go back to verses 13 to 16. And it says this, These all died in faith, 
not having received the things promised. It's talking about this list of people of faith. He, he commends these, these people of faith. And, and now he says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of what that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And then we jump forward to verses 39 to 40. And he says this, And, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. This is an interesting moment. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to ask you to write this down. It's, I, we, you know what? Even if you write it down in the comments and you save it or, or you write it down somewhere, just get your brain accessing some different parts of your creative uh, <laughs> uh, process. And, and just write this down. God's timeline isn't contingent on your timeline. God's timeline isn't contingent on your timeline. Let me, let me put it this way. The fulfillment of God's promises aren't contingent on you signing off on the process. His promises are not contingent on you signing off on the process or even liking the process. And unfortunately, this creates some tension in the life of the believer. Now, now before you bounce from this feed and go to find like, like a cat video to make you feel better, I would encourage you to stick with us because it's going to get better. Though there's tension, that's just a reality of living life in this world. There is ways of managing tension in faith. And so we're going to do that. So stick with us. In uh, Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, it says, By faith, Abraham... When he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, he makes this statement about these heroes of faith not seeing the promise. And now he goes into this very opening story about Abraham and Isaac. Now, th this is kind of a controversial moment in Scripture. Uh, many people use this story about Abraham and Isaac to point out and say, see, God is inconsistent because he says uh, no human sacrifices. The commandment is no human sacrifices. And yet in the same kind of era of Scripture, he says to Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And so it's kind of this weird moment where we create some tension and we kind of have some questions about what is God's motivations here. And some people will say, well, it just proves that God's inconsistent and he's not the God that you think he is. Um, I would push back on that idea. And as you read this, I want you to notice that the writer of Hebrews, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He actually gives us some nuanced perspective. When you read the story Originally, you don't see this perspective, but now under the influence of the Spirit, the inspiration of the Spirit, he says that mindset of, of Abraham in this moment, that 
he considered that God was able to even raise Isaac from the dead. In this moment, it wasn't that Abraham had a nihilistic kind of view of this moment, that he was going to sacrifice, and that was it. He had this belief and this faith. He kind of knew the character of God. And by knowing the character of God, he knew that something was going to happen, even if it was Isaac being raised up from the dead. And so Abraham, there wasn't an inconsistency in this moment. He was willing to go through in faith because he knew the promise. And this became a testing ground for Abraham. Do you believe I will keep my promise even if you sacrifice the promise itself? Now that's, talk about tension. Do you believe that I will keep my promise even if you sacrifice the promise itself? In this season, I think that we are being asked the same question in a way. Do, do you believe that God will build his church even in this season? Even, even when we've sacrificed so much, even when we look from the outside in and we think, you know what, God, we've sacrificed so much of what the church in our minds is. But can we believe the promise that Christ will build his church? Because that's what he's doing. Like, can you believe that? Even when everything screams the opposite, that's faith. That is taking the tension and that is putting faith into the tension and saying, Lord, I believe that you are building your church no matter what I see right now. Even when the promise looks like it's being sacrificed, I believe and we will continue to be faithful we will continue to walk in faith. I know for me, this has been the journey to, to lean into Jesus as the head of the church, the one who brings the increase. It's so easy to think that you're doing something, that you're adding value, that you're moving the mission forward. The reality is, if it wasn't for Christ, nothing would move forward. We'd be spinning in the mud. So we have to believe that Christ is doing something. God's timeline isn't contingent on your timeline. It isn't contingent on my timeline. It's his time. It's his way. It's his process. Nor is it contingent on your or my strategic thinking of how it should be or how it could be or how it would be. And this is probably the greatest sacrifice that we bring to God. The sacrifice of control. Any control freaks out there? Uh, just give me a thumbs up in the comments if, if you like to kind of have your hands, you like to oversee, you like to be in control to make sure things go just so. Um, the greatest sacrifice a human being can make, I believe, is the sacrifice of control. And so much of what God is asking for us in this season, in this moment, much like Abraham, is will you sacrifice control? Will you sacrifice the process? Will you sacrifice your strategic thinking and believe that I am doing what needs to be done to build the church? It's an interesting thought process. It's an interesting faith process. William Barclay, he writes this, he'll be up. Abraham is the model of the individual who accepts what is beyond understanding. To him, there had come this incomprehensible demand. It did not make sense. The promise was that in Isaac, his seed would grow and grow until he became a mighty nation in which all others would be blessed. 
On the life of Isaac depended the promise. And now God seemed to want to take that life away. As the fourth century churchman, John, John Chrysostom put it, the things of God seem to fight against the things of God. And faith fought with faith. And the commandment fought with the promise. Have you ever felt like that? For everyone at some time, there comes something for which there seems to be no reason and which defies explanation. It is then that we are faced with life's hardest battle to accept when we cannot understand. At such a time, there is only one thing to do, to obey and to do so without resentment, saying, God, you are love. Build, I build my faith on that. This place of tension in the season of faith, it's the season of deciding what you will cling to and hold to, who you will cling to and hold to. And we all have this choice to make. We can either hold to our present reality or we can hold to his promises. Friends, you can either hold to your present reality, which is only going to create a cycle that just goes deeper and deeper into the tension, or we can hold to his promises. What are you clinging to today? Let's get back to what may serve to be the greatest tension. You know, I, I, we, we originally said God's timeline isn't contingent on your timeline, but it gets worse, friends, <laughs> before it gets better. Because if you're taking notes, write this down. God's timeline isn't contingent on your lifetime. God's timeline isn't contingent on your lifetime. Hebrews 11, 13 to 16 we already read it, but let's just, let's just look at it again. These all died in faith. They all died in the season of faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. If you remember last week, Pastor Marcus spoke of this great tension, this, this tension of human beings. And I want to throw just a few charts up to give you a visual of this. As we kind of look at some of the characters that we see in this hall of heroes. The first is Abraham. I, I just want to throw the chart up right here. If you notice, Abraham received the promise, and then Abraham died. And over here, we see the promise fulfilled. Just look at this timeline. Think about this timeline. Abraham received the promise. Abraham dies. Over here, the promise is fulfilled. Let's look at Moses. Moses receives the promise that God's going to lead Israel out of Exodus, or out of Egypt, and the great Exodus happens, and you will be led to Canaan, this, this land, this promised land, flowing with milk and honey. So here's Moses receiving the promise. And then what happens? Moses and his generation dies after wandering the wilderness. And following the event, we see Joshua leads 
them into the promised land and the promise is fulfilled. Now I want to just show the same thing, but just I want to show you something. Abraham receives a promise and Abraham dies. But in the midst of that, there's a season of faith. He was commended not for the outcome of the promise. He was not commended for the process towards the promise. He was commended for what? This lifetime and this lifespan of believing that the promise would be fulfilled. Believing that the promise would be fulfilled. Moses, the same thing. What was he commended for? He was commended for his season of faith. He believed the promise. He led even though it was 40 years through the wilderness and he didn't see it in his lifetime. He believed it. He acted like he believed it. And he was commended for the season of faith. The season of faith, believing that God was going to fulfill this promise. Now, we can kind of bring this into the New Testament. You know, verse 39 to 40 says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And this, this of course, is referencing kind of a reference to Jesus, Jesus coming, the, the greatest answer to the promise ever given. I mean, this is a promise made all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And here Jesus comes, and this is the promise that it's referring to. And so you have this great nation. This this promised land. It's greater than, you know, the, 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 the land flowing with milk and honey. It pales in comparison that moment of the promised land crossing the Jordan pales in comparison to the promise and the fulfillment of Jesus coming. That he would lead us not to a kingdom of this earth, but a kingdom of heaven. And so we kind of know and we kind of have some similar tensions as those of the Old Testament, even though we live in this era post-Jesus. And just like those of the Old Testament, we're kind of discovering that we're aliens in this world. The moment you come to Jesus and begin to live this season of faith, you begin to act like Jesus is King and Savior and Lord. It causes you to be painfully aware that this place that we live in is alien to us, that we are, we are non-residents of this world. And what's interesting is, you know, verse 16 of Hebrews 11 says, but they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. There's this kind of intrinsic value, this intrinsic yearning in the human being to want to see heaven come to earth. I, I really believe that in a lot of ways, this is what is sparking so much of kind of the way we as human beings try to pursue, you know, even a part, you know, the, some, sometimes we want the kingdom, as Mark Sayers says, the kingdom without the king. And so we're pursuing the kingdom without the king. We're, we're pursuing utopia. And I think that's normal. I think that is intrinsic in every human being to pursue the ideal, to pursue this utopian ideal. The problem is when you have the kingdom without the king, is you don't have access to actually getting there. And you begin to believe that, that we can have that in the here and now. But those that are believers, 
You realize that you're alien, that you're non-residents of this world, that there's something better coming, but it has to be established by Jesus because we can't establish it ourselves. And it creates a tension for us that we would begin to live in a way that we seek the kingdom coming and not the kingdom established now. We begin to live our lives differently. And if you look at the New Testament, you'll see the disciples, they received the promise, right? They saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus and, and Jesus you know, died and he was raised again and he ascended into heaven. He promised he would come again. So here you have the disciples, the apostles' lives and they lived their lives in the season of faith. They lived their lives like they believed it. And what's interesting about the first century apostles is when you look at the early writings, the earliest writings we have of some of the apostles, they wrote in such a way that they had this sort of belief that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. Like they, they really believed that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And as you see time go on and some of the later writings, you begin to see that they're managing the tension that maybe Jesus isn't coming back in their lifetime. And you begin to see a difference in the writing. And they begin to set up for the next generation and not just focusing on their generation. And what's interesting about kind of that moment is they realize that God's life kind of timeline wasn't going to be contingent on their lifetime. And so they began to pivot and they began to change the way that they wrote and taught and prepared the next generation. You know, construction began on the York Minster Cathedral. I got a picture of it here. In 1220, okay, the York Minster Cathedral, 1220. It has the largest stained glass in, in, in a single structure. It's, it's 520 feet long and has towers that are, uh, are 200 feet. And, and here's the deal. They started in 1220, but they didn't finish the project until 1472. I want you to think about that. That is 252 years. It took them 252 years to complete that. Now, if you go back to that kind of middle age moment, you would understand that the mortality rate was not really great. People died pretty young. So if you think about it, it would have been the great, 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 maybe even another great grandkids of the original builders that would have completed this project. And they would have known it. The engineers would have known it. The builders would have known it. They would have known that they were about to walk into a project that was going to outlast their lifetime. And it wasn't going to be completed until years and years and years and years later. And why do I bring this up? Because we have to think beyond our generation. Because God's timeline isn't contingent on your lifetime. We have to think beyond. And though we look for Jesus' return and we hope for his return, friends, I mean, some of you, I have great conversations with some of you, and you are longing for the return of Jesus. And I think that that is something that we all need to do. We need to just long for and hope for his return. But in the midst of that, we still have to prepare the next generation for the long haul. We still have to look beyond our lifetime for the benefit of the church. 
The greatest commendation that you will receive as you pursue Jesus and his kingdom during this season of faith. That, that, that moment of knowing that even if you don't see the fullness, even if you don't see the return of Christ in your lifetime, you lived in a season of faith. And just like those of old, you're going to be commended for that season of faith. You're going to be commended for your faith. You know, in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul writes and he talks about faith and love and hope. And, and he says at the end of that, you know, hope, faith, love, the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love is going to exist beyond this kingdom. It's going to exist after Jesus returns. It's going to exist in that heavenly moment when we walk and talk with God. Love will exist. There will be no more need for hope and faith because we will see our Savior face to face. And so the commendation that we receive in this lifetime is these seasons of faith and believing. But if you think about this, this is a freeing concept that we take ownership over our faith. And in a lot of ways, we, I say that, but it's kind of funny because God also graces us. He gives us a gift of faith as well. So it's not even our faith, but we need to take ownership over our faith. But we're free from taking ownership over the outcomes of Jesus building his church, of people coming to Christ, of our evangelism, of our talking about the goodness of God with others. We have to be faithful to that faith and we live like we believe Jesus is Lord. But the outcomes are not ours to take ownership over. And that is such a freeing concept. Even in this moment, I have to remind myself that I have to remain faithful. I have to believe that God is building his church. But the outcome of that happening is not my ownership piece. That's God's. But I have to remain faithful and believe the promises of God. And that's what we will be commended for, friends. When I say faith, I, I don't mean just simply belief, but, I, but I'm talking about a belief that leads us to action. As you notice, I said, living like you believe it. It's, it's one thing to say you believe it. It's one thing to theorize that you believe it. It's one thing to intellectually process that I believe this to be true. It's another thing to have that belief spur you to action, to spur you to good works, to spur you to good deeds. God's timeline isn't contingent on your timeline. And God's timeline isn't contingent on your lifetime. But friends, the promises of God are yes and amen. We have to remain faithful. We have to believe that he is doing what he said he would do. That's our job. His job is the outcome. Let's pray. Well, we thank you for this opportunity to gather even digitally across this region from wherever people are right now. I just pray that right now that you just give them such a sense of your presence, your manifest presence in their living rooms, in their kitchens, Lord, wherever people are in the coffee shop, wherever it is, Lord, maybe they just experience your presence because we believe in this season, Lord, that you are building your church, that you are doing something significant in your church. For those already a part of the family of God, you are deepening our faith. 
Lord, it's hard. We acknowledge the tension of this. We acknowledge how hard this is. But God, we go beyond our feelings about this. We go beyond kind of our thoughts about this. And we lean into you. We lean into your promises. We lean into faith. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause us to see things with new perspective. That, God, we would be commended through this season for being faithful and people with a perspective of faith, looking to you, holding not to the realities of this season and this world, but holding to the reality of your promises. So, Lord, we pray that you just stir up faith in your people, even right now, even in the midst of the tension. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, thanks so much for hanging with us. If you're with us live, uh, just say hi real quick. We'd love to know who is here and, and hanging with us. Also, if you're watching this later, say hi as well. Um, it's always just so good for our hearts to see that this is adding value to people's lives. And so we would just encourage you to do that. And God bless you. You have a great week and we will see you uh, this fall. So make sure you visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch. Uh, get your kids in. Do that right away because you don't want to be left out on that. And we look forward to seeing you face to face. And we will also continue these streams through that season. And so you will still see us online for those that don't feel comfortable yet returning to a gathered area. And we do want to let you know that for the time being, we will have music and singing and uh, there will be times of worship in our services as well coming up in the fall. And so just want to make you aware of that if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask for that, we welcome you to bring a mask and wear it during that time. Totally cool. We want to be and serve as a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, experience and receive his love and look more and more like him each day. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week.